welcome to another episode of Over Drinkers. The Story Screen Presents podcast where I, Mike Burge, it me, I'm the only one that hosts this podcast, sits down with a friend or friends and talks about a movie or movies. And wouldn't you know it, it's the former in both right now. I am here with Scotty Arnold. Hi, folks. Great to be here. And we're here to talk about a twisted little movie that you might not have heard about, but God damn it, we're going to make you listen to us about it. Uh. Listen to us about <laughs> Yeah, I got that. Yeah, I got that. Um, this is going to be a fun one, guys. They're always fun ones, but we're going to really jump right in here on this one. We are talking about George Romero's 1981 Night Riders. All one word. Plural. Plural. Yeah, you're ahead of me on that one. You, you, you know, yeah, you got the bits. And as always on Overdrinkers, we are partaking of a themed beverage. And with the tenacity and um, the Americana of this uh, subject matter that we are talking about, we have decided to drink just straight up whiskey. So, you know, it's going to be a good one. Um. So uh, before we get started, Scotty, how are you? I'm well. I'm well, Mike. Uh, yeah, life is good. I'm uh, I'm I'm splitting my time between the Hudson Valley and the city, and uh, and my dog doesn't. What do you do down in the city again? Hmm. Uh, I work at a theater company. I'm glad you asked, Mike. Um, I work... Theater like like ER or RE? Uh, it's a theater ER, but it brings in a lot of theater RE stuff, you know. <laughs> Good to know, good to know. Um, it is a place called St. Anne's Warehouse, and it's a cool theater in Brooklyn, and it brings in a lot of uh, like uh, uh, a lot of great theater on a global level, and uh, presents it to New York City. Heck yeah! Yeah, love to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you uh, ate some ravioli right before we hopped on. I did. Typical, um, typical Scotty. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously. Uh, and I had some tortellini. You know, actually. So, would you call that a typical Mike? No, I wouldn't. Wow. Typical might would be uh, chicken nuggets, uh, so french like, fries. I consider pizza. that in my honor, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you know, I watched. I was watching this movie, and I just like, I, I just felt fancy. I was like, I gotta, I gotta put a little, put a little uh, bump in my step, as uh, they say, as they say, as they say, say all the time. Right. Put a little bump in your step. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So we're talking about Night Riders. Uh, this was a movie that you picked. Uh, I asked you uh, to pick a special movie from your heart uh, for our Valentine's Day posting episode. Um, and you tossed some stuff out there and Knight Riders seemed like a, a pretty good pick. And, um, you know, going into it, I didn't kind of understand. I didn't understand how it would you know, connect to being a Valentine's Day movie. But after having now seen it, because I had never seen this movie before, it is, it's it's just, it's escaped me for, for far too long. Uh, it is kind of like a pretty sweet little Valentine's Day movie. It's And it's like capital R romantic, you know? Um, how, so why, why did you pick this movie in essence? Even though like you, you tossed some ideas out there and we landed on this one, like why did this one initially pop up like what is this uh i have written down here in my notes why scotty why <laughs> uh i first saw this movie a few months ago um i stumbled upon it and i loved it so hard and i am always i like you you have seen so many things and i delight in i think this is the second moment when i have been able to say here's a movie i've seen and you haven't <laughs> 
watch sure. it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I, I just think this movie is... Uh, what was the first one? Uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. That's right. I had not seen that beforehand. Also, I have not seen... Um, uh, what is it? Uh, Phantom of the Paradise? Yeah, you borrowed that from me about three years ago. I still ago. have your copy. I'm it's glad to hear that. On my to watch, on some, on my to watch pile. <laughs> I should watch that. Uh, you, you know should. what? I will watch it for Valentine's Day for you, and uh, I will give you back your goddamn Blu-ray. I'm thrilled. Um, uh, but I, I just really loved this movie, and nobody's heard of it, and I feel like the... Um, we will get into this, but I feel like the 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 poster and even a little bit the trailer of this movie lead you to believe that it's going to be something else. And I think a lot of people write it off for being like schlocky. And I actually think that it's kind of the opposite of that when you get down to it. And so uh, I am really excited to share it with the world and to share it with you and to talk the heck out of it. Great. Uh, next up is my history with the movie, yeah. uh, which um, I have zero. <laughs> Uh, again, like, are you George familiar with George, the director? Yeah, George Romero, very much so. Of course, of course. Um, I, I know, I, I know that George Romero, especially in the '80s, was attempting to not distance himself, but like try and explore other genres outside of horror because, like, he's not just like he's not a horror fanatic. He just made one of the greatest horror movies of all time, and then one of the greatest horror trilogies of all time. Yeah, ten years later was just like I guess I'll just do it again. And yeah, and you know, other things besides like Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, like Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting that this is right before Creep Show, and Ed Harris is in Creep Show, which. I always thought that Ed Harris and Creepshow was like one of his earliest performances. This is, I, I double checked this too, and we will have an Ed Harris corner mm. at some point in this episode because we're going to talk about him. Good. This is his first leading role. Yeah. Period. Full stop. Yeah. He's in TV, he's in a couple movies, but he's always like a secondary, third, ancillary character. This is him like straight up in front. I am. Billy the King, Arthurian, uh, you know, mirror. Yeah. Um, uh, fantastic stuff. I, I've heard about Night Riders. Again, you kind of hit the nail on the head with like the poster and like the like like the general synopsis was always just kind of like, well, that sounds fucking weird. <laughs> sounds like a fun time. The thing that always pushed me away from it was the fact that it's um two and a half hours long. Which, look, these days, that doesn't feel very long. Sure, exactly. And I don't mind. I don't mind. My ongoing bit of just, like, make movies shorter. Great. I love me a 90-minute movie. If a movie... If a movie is two and a half hours and it earns that, it deserves it, it needs it, great. And Knight Riders is that. Knight Riders needs every single breath of air that it is gasping for for life and i wouldn't drop any moment out of this thing even though it's got loads of spectacle like fucking i guess you could call them like set pieces like action yeah. scenes yeah but uh for those that don't know um yeah what's this movie about mike night rider <laughs> night riders is a uh it's an arthurian tale um no fuck this you you tell everybody what it's about i'm not doing this you do this you do it you do it uh night riders is uh the story of a group of uh societal outsiders who band who have banded together 
uh, into a, 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 a Renfair troupe. Um, I think Renfairs were like pretty new in 1981. They were like not as, uh, not as culturally set as they are now. And uh, these folks have banded together uh, to, in, in some sort of uh, chivalric ideals uh, led by Billy the King at Harris. And uh, it is about uh, their, the, the, the group trying to figure out what's important to itself and uh, different people from the group uh, finding different answers to that and questioning that and seeing how their uh, little corner of the world can fit in with the larger world. And, uh, and I think at its heart for me, it's, um, it's like the best uh, Arthurian adaptation I've ever seen in a movie. Excalibur meets Easy Rider. <laughs> That's what I was thinking the whole time. It, it, that's more succinct. <laughs> and it also, I think, it, I'm fairly certain it came out like the year after Excalibur, right? Excalibur was 80? I, I believe it was 80. And, and I, yeah, right. I was just reading a review of, of Night Riders that said it was yeah. sort of a, a uh, this tonic. Thing, yeah. This movie is uh, so dang dorky. Yeah. Um. And there's honestly nothing like it out there that I can think of. Like I was like, I, again, like I have seen a lot of movies. I haven't seen all of the movies. There are a lot of people that have seen way more movies than me, or at least can retain the memory of the movies that they have seen way better than I can. Uh, I cannot think of a single movie that is like this movie. This movie is um, completely out of control um sincere almost to a fault which is the type of movie that i like i like a movie that just like wears it on its sleeve what they're doing unabashedly just genuine like that's the thing about this movie that i that the poster doesn't communicate no you look uh, at this poster you read this tagline yeah and you don't under like it does not let you know that this is actually like an like a quiet earnest film that this is like that this is like masculinity (laughs) it's about art it's about uh being a thespian in a world that tries to break that out of you so that you just become part of like the capitalist machine it reminds me a little bit of Rocky um, in terms sure. of like expectations of a sports movie and like s- fully subverting that to be like this quiet kind of indie character film. Um, uh, it reminds me a little bit. I mean, it, it, for obvious reasons, it reminds me of, of Camelot, which uh, I will which I will defend. And a lot of people won't <laughs> as a film. Cam- Have you seen the film of Camelot? Camelot. Good. Camelot yeah. good. Yeah, great. Good. Everyone needs to calm the fuck down. Talk about long movies. Right, I know. I know. We should have I, I I was thinking today that I should have made you do a double feature of those two. But it sounds like you're familiar with Well we gotta little. save it in the bag. We got a big announcement at the end of this episode. Oh so yeah. We gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta hold on to that. Mm-hmm. Um I mean like some of my big general thoughts like up front before we really kind of start getting into this thing and like kind of chatting about it and getting drunk um it's the one of the things about it that is so obvious is that like romero had like complete fucking control over this thing he like shot it in like pennsylvania like around pittsburgh with like friends and people that he's worked with before 
uh, completely outside the the studio system, which is like how Romero kind of like that's that's his mo. Like he he always just made the movies that he wanted to make for better or worse. Um, and he used all of his own guys. He had complete control. Again, operating outside of like the quote unquote like established system of like how you do these things and. It's kind of cool that that's like thematically sound with what's going on in the movie. Like mm-hmm. these guys are doing this thing that it is it, it is like experiencing this movie for the first time, which was made in 1981. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm like, right. I have to I have to like time travel my brain back to like like over 40 years and be like, this movie came out in 1981. This is the effect it would have had. There's a scene where someone starts like doing an impression of like the Godfather, yeah, of like Marlon Brando and the Godfather, and I'm like, that is one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever seen. And I'm like, wait, no, this would have came out like four years after the God, like the Godfather was was hot, yeah, it was hot. Everybody that you know was impersonating, yeah, Marlon Brando from the Godfather, so it makes sense. Uh, and this is right after Dawn of the Dead. I mean, you know, yes, George Romero made Night of the Living Dead, made other weird movies, and then returned to it. And Dawn of the Dead was a huge. Have you hit. ever seen Martin? Uh, I have not. You would love Martin. <laughs> <laughs> you. I believe top you. ten of all time. Okay. It okay. It would. Um. Uh. But this is, you know, this is he. He. He shopped this movie around for a long time. Um, he didn't get any bites when he shopped it around. This was a straightforward. He this was going to be a straightforward medieval movie. This was not anachronistic. This was not motorcycles. And according to <laughs> uh, according to him, a producer one time was like, "Put him on motorcycles, then you got to film." And uh, he was angry, and he stewed, and then he thought about it, and then he did it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and what a strange, weird combo it is. That first reveal. I mean, like, let's talk about the opening of this movie. Let's talk about it. The preciousness of the opening of this movie, the sensitivity, the sensuality. Yeah. Ed Harris. I I, I do believe that we, we first encounter Ed Harris through the eyes of a bird. Yeah. <laughs> we, we follow a bird, and then the bird's like, and now I see Ed Harris, who is naked yep. in the middle of um field. Uh, the woods, like a, a, a what's a, what's a, what's a nicer word for like a a, a glen? He's on a glen. He's on a he's on a, the bank of a stream. He's on a riverbank. Bank of a stream. Perfect. <laughs> I feel like um uh what's her name in uh, Ten Things I Hate About You when she's uh when she's writing that uh uh God. Uh, which he's writing like that, the adult novel, and it's like engorged, uh-huh. right? right. Uh, something a little bit better than that, yeah. Uh, uh, he is naked. Um, he he uh, arises from the from from the the the, the grassy uh, curtains, um, uh, flanked by a naked woman, and he he stares off into the uh, the distance as if to question God. And uh, then he starts to, um, what would you call that? Like, it's like flagellate? Yeah. Yeah. 
Right? Yeah, like flagellate is, is the word. I, he's I, flogging. He's sort of flogging his back with some sticks. His back. And I think yeah. that, like, I, I, I'd be interested to hear your take on if that's, like, out of penance or if that's just, like, a medieval version of washing your back. <laughs> I mean, he also might be into it. Sure. That's it. Uh, he does that, and then he, uh, he, he dons uh, clothing. Uh, first, first, he, first, he prays naked with a sword in his hand. With a, with, a, with a sword, yeah. Um, he prays naked, sword in hand. Uh, dons clothing, dons armor, and then he uh, uh, thrusts himself upon his mighty steed off camera. And uh, then we are shown that um, this is in fact a. A motorcycle and not a horse, uh, which poster kind of gave it away. Honestly, uh-huh. kind of wish that I didn't know that. Sure. <laughs> because that reveal is um, it, it's kind of like winky winky and knows that it's silly kind of off the bat. Yeah. And I do think that it is the only time that the absurdity of this entire situation is played for the tiniest of laughs. Acknowledged like that is in any way, time, like, right. <laughs> it, it is acknowledged and they're like, isn't that funny? Oh, we've revealed it to you. Great. And then the rest of the time it is played completely straight. And I was like, these are these people. This is what they do. There is a, there is a preciousness to how he is utilizing the silliness that the, what of what these people are doing. I think that that has to have something to do with, the fact that he had built an entire career on putting a bunch of like gray makeup on people and having them go, and he's like, isn't this fucking ridiculous what we're doing? Uh-huh. But everybody was having a great time doing it. Everybody was making money doing it. It was successful. And that kind of comes into, I think the, the overall, the fact that this is a George Romero movie and this is the guy that made Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. And this is like, again, like you said, like just like two or three years after Dawn of the Dead, which was hugely successful, better than the original, like in some aspects, like one of the greatest horror movies ever made. One of the greatest horror movies with like a social commentary underneath mm-hmm. it, like that's ever been made. Right, because like what's the and- magic of that trilogy, right? The magic of that trilogy is that is that like... It, it, it's sort of it's sort of wild how important Night of the Living oh, Dead is. It's crazy. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of insane that it, it at once it's inventing all the zombie tropes and sort of defying them by being not just a genre picture but actually being this sort of like political microcosm in a house that that we're actually dealing with relationships and we're dealing with the the politics of the time and we're dealing like we're and and we're dealing with people thrust into a situation as opposed to sort of dealing with a, a some B horror stuff about the zombies are coming to get us. Um, and, and I think in, if you, through that lens, which is what Dawn of the Dead does too, it's talking about consumerism, blah, blah, blah. But through that lens, this is fully on a trajectory, right? Because we're like, there's this sort of absurdist zombie like thing of like, okay, the, 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 the crazy thing here is that we're going to talk about a Ren Faire on motorcycles. And then once we get past that, it's like about these people trying to figure out how they fit into the world and how to hold on to ideals in 1981. <laughs> it's the, 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 um, I have it written down here and I wanted to like, just get this, 
one little tiny sentence out. The movie, I believe, at its core, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of fun to be had, and it's it's talking about like masculinity and performance and all of these things. Um, there's a lot that's going on in it. That's that's why it earns the two and a half hour runtime, I think. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the most like pure thematic thread that's going on throughout the whole movie is it is George Romero talking about the preciousness of art and like the passion that's required to keep that preciousness precious, to keep it whole. Like you have your classic like agent character, you know, that shows up in every biopic of a musician. That's just like, (laughs) who's played by the motherfucker that plays the lawyer in Jurassic Park, which that <laughs> caught me off guard. I was like, this guy has been doing this for 15 years. <laughs> Martin Ferrero is his name. Um, Shout out to Martin. Yeah. But I, that's, that's, that's the thing about the movie. Like when I was first starting it, I was like, Oh, this is like, this is a lot of fun. Uh, like all the battles, and like uh, chase sequences and jousting and stuff like that are like like insanely handled, and they have this feel to them that feels raw. And all of the moments in between, or before, or after, are kind of like again like character driven, like you were talking about, where it's like it 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 feels very grounded, and it's it's taking itself seriously, even though it's insanely ridiculous, like what it's portraying and what it's doing. And it's like it's that kind of like making movies is silly being an actor is silly writing stories is silly like when you actually break down like the the logicness the rationale of it all and this movie is kind of a testament to just like why these silly people keep doing these silly things is because it's like they don't know how to do anything else and how the outside world is like always trying to capitalize on that and make money off of it and and, and, and make people greedy within it. And, you know, some people are losing sight of like, oh, this is why we started doing this and this is what we do. And it's like, oh, and you abandon your community. But then once you're outside that community, you're just like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. And right. And like, is Billy sane? Is Billy going crazy? Is Billy losing it? Right. Like, I think there's like, there's a. I mean, that's the Arthurian angle of it all, where it's like, King Arthur, you get, you're getting old, boy. <laughs> you can't keep doing this forever right and that you know that that the the campfire scene in the middle of the movie where where they talk about sort of the ed harris has a monologue about like you you know you we do this to 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 maintain some sense of life and the other guy's like you can't have both right um and and he wakes him up in the middle of the night. And he says, "You, they, it, you can't separate them. They are the same thing." And then he like steals a motorcycle and goes, and doesn't hit Harris thing, um, it, which is so like setting up, you know, kind of kind of like not not exactly beat for beat, but it's 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 the end of Camelot. It's it's I'm about to lose this battle, but I know I've won the war because these ideals are living on. Yeah, so good. Everybody, like Tom Savini, first off, one <laughs> yeah. of the best to ever do it. Yeah. The fact that Tom Savini, I mean, I guess the more that I'm interacting with like the movies that Tom Savini has acted in, because he has acted in a lot of movies. I always thought of him as like, he's he's a fucking 
props guy. He's like yeah. a, a yeah, like that's what he does, and he's one of the best to ever do it. Yeah, and he's he's in a bunch of Romero movies. I just watched uh, from Dust Till Dawn for yeah. shits and giggles like sure. a week ago, <laughs> and uh, his character Sex Machine. Okay, uh huh. I think his character's <laughs> name is Sex Machine. Um, he's fantastic. He's got like a little um, a little penis gun. Um, that comes into play more than once uh, throughout the movie and it's fantastic Tom Savini in this movie is just so it it feels like this is like a this is like kind of like a a term or like a an allegory that I've been saying about a lot of like very good movies that I've been watching lately like it feels like if I didn't pay enough enough attention to him while I was watching this movie, that I would hurt his feelings. You know what I mean? Like his his character is that raw and like kind of sensitive and just like wearing it all on his chest and just like trying to be something, figuring himself out very actively. Yeah. Yes, you're like you're actively watching this guy and like he's got his whole like a stars born like moments. You know that's like fantastic stuff like that that quick like 15 minutes in the middle of the movie where it's like, all right, so let's go check on these guys that broke away. Like, what are they doing? And I was like, they're essentially queen in the late seventies <laughs> and early eighties. Yeah. It's, it's, it becomes like spinal tap, like a spinal tap skit for 15 minutes. And they're just like, Oh damn. I don't, I don't think we should be doing this. <laughs> I don't think something went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, I fully agree with you. He's fantastic. The I came out of this movie the first time feeling like how did like this is this is great and like how did Ed Harris find the performance that Ed Harris gives in this? And I watched an interview. I mean, where he says uh, he says, "Well, I had I had played Arthur in Camelot in Summerstock, and that's what made me want to do this movie." And I was like, "Okay, there it is. Yeah, right. Oh, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly." <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's no better time than now to like kind of break into a little bit of an Ed Harris like kind of side tangent. Do you like Ed Harris? I fucking love Ed Harris. <laughs> Nobody does it like him. Again, like Ed Harris in this movie is he is all caps acting in this. Yeah, he is doing shit that I guarantee was not asked of him, and he's <laughs> like, "This is what I'm going to do." He had, and again, and, and it's it's that sincerity that comes across in the performance that kind of adds to the whole kind of like sincerity of like the entire movie, like the fact that it's like, yes, this is ridiculous, this is silly. The story of King Arthur is fucking silly. There's fucking ladies and lakes and swords and yeah, you know, like yeah, bim- bimbos and pawns tossing out <laughs> knives, you know, like that kind of thing. Like it's, I get it. Do you ever see? the um the bbc merlin yeah (laughs) isn't that like one of the greatest things ever made it's pretty fun (laughs) it's one of my top 10 favorite movies i love that fucking thing wait are we talking wait are we talking about merlin the tv bbc tv show or the or the oh we're no we're talking about the sam neill merlin yes yeah Yeah. (laughs) remember martin short plays frick yeah yeah. And he's like a little goblin guy. Yeah, of course. But he makes himself uh like he gets like long locks and he's like a good swordsman. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, to impress uh the young Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> yep. Remember that? 
of I was course thinking about that the other day just yeah. randomly yeah. i gotta watch that goddamn movie that's that's some that thing's some good shit they made two uh, more Harris, of it and harris is seen. not in that no and and it shows <laughs> yeah they made two more of those yeah. i don't believe you look it up it's anchorman <laughs> anchorman gif I don't, I don't believe you i don't no uh ed harris is absolutely insane in this um he is uh, a an extremely intense actor who has also been in a lot of things. Uh, I'm <laughs> both, kind of both rolling of, through of the, both of this of the space movies. So this movie was not his breakout. I think it's fair to say, <laughs> even though he is speak the for yourself. <laughs> um, I would say that the right stuff. Uh huh. His, the, his first space film, yeah. His big breakout, like that, because he's he's one of the, you know, he's one of like the top four in that. Who are the yeah. top four in that? He's great. Sam Shepard, Scott Glenn, Ed Harris, Dennis Quaid. Yep. Got a little bit of Fred Ward in there as a treat. <laughs> um, and then I'm like looking through some of this, and it's like I guess I haven't seen a lot of these earlier. Ed Harris movies. Uh, this is a fun fact that I always like bringing up because a lot of people don't know this. Uh, mm-hmm. Field of Dreams. Mm. He's the voice. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Isn't that fun? That's great. Isn't that great? That's great. I mean, it's called Unconfirmed Voice, but I'm like, baby, it's been sitting on your IMDb for like <laughs> 20 years. Like, Let's calm down. Yeah. Um, the Abyss, one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And I think... His second best performance? After? I mean, The Rock. Okay. Right? I was hoping you'd say Knight Riders, but I'll take it. I mean, Knight Riders <laughs> is a tight three. <laughs> I, I, I am not kidding. I was almost like, is this his best performance? I'm like, well, it can't beat The Abyss. Like, The Abyss is insane. He's doing so much shit in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Apollo 13. Mm-hmm. I know. The other space movie. Right. He's, he's Houston. Yeah. He's great. They're like, Houston, we have a problem. He's like, I hear you. <laughs> right. <laughs> I understand. I want to hold space for that problem. Uh, oh, I mean, the Truman Show. Baby. Sure. sure. No, right? look, we, we all know Ed Harris is great. We all, I mean, if we don't, we should Step do our homework, Mom. Right? Ooh. Stepmom, Scotty. Uh-huh. Ain't no matter. Oh, he's in Waking the Dead. I'm sorry. I'm just doing, Enemy at the Gates. <laughs> have you ever seen Enemy at the Gates? No. Enemy at the Gates is a phenomenal movie and you should watch it. Why? Uh it stars uh Jude Law mm-hmm. as a character named Vasily, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Uh and Joseph Fiennes, mm-hmm. Rachel Weisz, mm-hmm. and Ed Harris. And just to keep things interesting, you got a little bit of Ron Perlman and Bob Hoskins thrown in there. <laughs> this did you make this movie? <laughs> I honestly, <laughs> I might have. Uh-huh. I, I, it might be like a Terminator Two, like kind of like loop situation where I'm gonna find yeah. out. Like I actually went back in time right. and made Enemy at the Gates. Enemy at the Gates is that's like my big like hidden gem that I try to like always turn people on to. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, Jude Law plays a. Uh, a Russian sniper that goes head to head with Ed Harris's German sniper all along uh, the while. His good friend Joseph Fiennes, um, 
is helping him become like a bigger um character on like the world war ii kind of stage and rachel vise is the woman that's caught in between them joe finds is that billy shakes is that who that is billy shakes from that uh, Shakespeare in Love movie, you're talking about Shakespeare in Love. You call him yeah. Billy Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's okay, it. That's Joe you. Fines. Thank you so much. Um, uh, we we like to refer to him these days as um, his Handmaid's Tale character. Ooh, okay. Fred, um, <laughs> uh, you know Fred Waterford. <laughs> okay, heard of him? <laughs> okay. Oh, 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 okay. So we should be moving on. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. There's got to be at least. All right. So he's in a beautiful mind. He plays bad boy, uh-huh. a guy that's inside uh, Russell Crowe's head. Um, pa- pa- a history of violence. Have you seen a history of violence? No. Fantastic movie. He's got like a little scarred face. He plays a character by the name of Carl Fogarty. That just sounds like a pretty straight movie. It's pretty good. Gone Baby Gone. National Treasure Book of Secrets. Did you just like skip over Pollock? I did. Okay. Have you seen Pollock? Yeah. That's why I skipped over it. <laughs> How dare uh, you? <laughs> he's in Pain and Gain. Snowpiercer. Uh-huh. Snowpiercer. I remember did see that one. Yep. Uh, he's mission control and gravity because of course he is little, uh, little Apollo 13 callback. Uh-huh. Oh, and then he's in, uh, not too much. Um, oh, he's, uh, he's in mother. That's right. You've seen mother. I have. I see the poster right now behind you and I have seen mother. Oh yeah. I do have a poster of mother up there. My yeah. friend Jack Kalajewski got me that. He's a good boy. Shout out. Uh, oh, he was in a movie from a couple years ago called the lost daughter. Did you see that? With Olivia Coleman, and that uh, and that Irish kid that everybody likes right now. No, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, he's got like a little he's got a little hat mm-hmm. on in that one. Uh, he was in a a tiny movie called Top Gun Maverick for uh-huh. a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, he was in a show apparently called Westworld. You really that apparently had thirty six episodes. You set this up by saying he hasn't done much recently, <laughs> and uh, you know uh, he's in Love Lies Bleeding. Um, this year, the new Rose Glass movie, which I am very psyched about and is probably going to be my favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's it. You heard it here first. How about you? You got anything to say about Ed Harris? You can take your time. <laughs> uh, I think Ed Harris you is... you want to pull up his IMDb or something? or no. <laughs> I'm just going to talk about my uh, impressions of him. Um, I think he's a... You have, I... you have an Ed Harris impression? No, I don't. Sadly, no, I do not. No. I think you do. I don't. I don't. He's hard to. He's hard to do. He's so. What no, Captain? Something like that. <laughs> strains it. I'm fighting a dragon. Right. Um. Uh. Ed Harris, in this film, has. Has a hard job. He, like, I feel like this. This is a movie about everyone around Ed Harris, questioning this world, and Ed Harris embodying this world so thoroughly that he never can question it because he is the world. Um, you know, everybody else sort of like cuts away a little bit. We, we get glimpses of them outside of this world where they stop the act. And I just don't think it's an act at all for Ed Harris. I think this just is who he is. And uh, for, for, for William the King. Um, and I think he, Ed Harris commits so wonderfully to that. And in a way that is, that feels so like tender and genuine and 
and I, he makes big choices, but to me, it never feels over the top. And this is this is when this is a movie that you really have to go along with, right? Like this is a movie that you really have to have to buy into. I think you have to like, um, you you have to sort of say like, I believe in this world. I I can get past snickering at these motorcycles because because I am being shown so plainly by George Romero that that these people are deadly serious about this and they care about it they care about it right and it's not this sort of like it's not this like macho don't question the seriousness but it's just this like beautiful like this means everything to me seriousness um and it and i think it's saving these people i think that's really beautiful and i think ed harris uh carries that on his back in a really lovely way and i don't think he I, I, you know, and maybe he could have done it, but I think he's really aided by the fact that he, that he played King Arthur and Camelot. I think he is, I think this is a, this is an extension of that role for him. Um, and I think if you look sort of theme for theme at this movie, this is an unauthorized adaptation of The Once and Future King by T.H. White, um, mm-hmm. on which The Sword and the Stone and Camelot are based. Um, I think this is, this is talking this is talking about the legend of king arthur through the lens of nostalgia and um idealism uh and an idealism that sort of can't stand up to the real world but but the triumph of the but but the only so the only triumph that you can have is is the idea that you pass that idealism on um and i think that's like the the extraordinary thing about the end of the movie is that like we're with Tom Savini, right? We're like, we, we, we go through this journey with him where he's like, I can't do this. This isn't me. I'm going to go talk to these people and I'm going to live in the world and I'm going to like make a million dollars off of this because that's what all of us are meant to do. We're trying to just make a million dollars off of whatever our passions seem to be. Mm-hmm. And he, and it's empty and he comes back. And the moment where Ed Harris, where he wins and then it, and then is so um, humble to Ed Harris. I think is the moment where Ed Harris knows that he's succeeded, knows that he can pass this on, knows that he can, <laughs> and knows that he like that he's done here. Um, and I, I and not in a not in a sad way, but in like a, I think I did what I needed to do here, and I'm and I've been beaten up my shoulder for ten years, and I have to go die now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, first he's got to kick the shit out of a cop first uh, it, to it, the applause of an entire diner. It which... really reminds me of, it's it's like a reverse of um uh of the final spoiler of the final scene from uh, Giant. Uh in this really beautiful spoiler. Way. Jesus. <laughs> have you seen Giant? God. Yes, I have. <laughs> it's been out for like 70 years. <laughs> Look. I <laughs> Um, it, but it's this really like beautiful sort of like moment of a fight in a diner that that um, uh, I don't know. Uh, were you surprised by the ending of this film? Very. Um, okay. I think that the last, the last ten ish minutes of this movie are very surprising that they even exist, let alone <laughs> what happens in them, because it really does feel like the ending of the movie, like the the culmination of like everything that's been happening throughout the movie, like where the sensitivities are leading, where these characters are going, how they have changed, how they have moved 
what what their place in this world moving forward might be the questions mm-hmm. that you would put at the end of a story like that happen in that scene that you were just talking about with like Tom Savini getting crowned by Ed Harris in this and 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 standing up for the ideals of Ed Harris right yeah, and this, like ripping up the contract respectful and, way right. yeah uh yeah and then going up to the contract and is like you know those contracts burned them and 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 Guinevere going with Lancelot, right? Like, of like, course, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, one of my my one of my favorite lines in the movie happens just before that, um, but has like the same kind of the same kind of like a vibe that mm-hmm. that entire moment has. Uh, it's when the battle's going on, um, the photographer is like trying to take photographs, and um, the the friar Fire character yep. is just like, let's keep it in the family, yeah. And she, and she gets it and i, I like right she it's gets like it. she's like right this, this is that whole sequence it, is like the good guys and the bad guys are actually not good guys and bad guys but we're all here of one mind that this should be respected and preserved and yeah. in Artists, that he has won right they're all pieces of shit <laughs> performers actors painters Ugh. <laughs> honestly me can't stand them Hate sure. It. Yeah. They're Bloggers, so fucking right. full of themselves and they're, you know, spelling theater R E. <laughs> but then being like, well, actually, it's spelled E R, but it's for the R E people, if you know what I mean. Like stuff like that, you know. Um, sure. Yeah, but the last, dead. that's when the movie should end is like when like the crowning is like turned over and, you know, he walks up to George Romero's wife and like makes her his, his queen and stuff like that. Did you know that that's George Romero's wife? I found that out later. Yeah, isn't that fun? Yeah, isn't that fun? Great. It's lovely. They're all just friends. They're all just friends. Yeah, it's just like making a movie in the middle of a field in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and like very few of them went on to anything else. <laughs> Fine, great. <laughs> Quite frankly, George Romero barely went on to anything else. Oh. After this. Like I'm not trying to be mean or nasty here. Like that's do you like Dan the Dead? Happened. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have like you seen it as much as other stuff. Yes. <laughs> okay. But I don't like it as much as everything he made now, Night Riders and before. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. I really, I was really, really, really. I mean, uh, I do actually really dig on Land of the Dead, uh-huh. the one with uh, John Leguizamo. I haven't seen that one yet. It kind of fucks. Okay. Like, it, it, it's kind of putting it to it. Okay. Yeah. I was really, I was nervous about what you would think of this movie, and I'm really tickled that you like it. <laughs> Thank you. Come on. Honestly, it, I was nervous that I wasn't going to like it. Yeah. Because, um, <laughs> oh, that just fell. Um, because, like, I, I, I pride myself in some small way on the people that I know, that I respect their opinions, yeah. even when we differ on certain things, like, you know, fucking a grave for thematic purposes but then you find out it was improvised so it actually didn't mean anything at all um and then some people like that yeah that's fine that's totally fine yeah sometimes stupid shit is smart i guess um (laughs) but whenever somebody like you scotty whose opinion i always respect even if i think it's got a little bit of bathtub cum in it or something like that um i'm always nervous that like when you hit me with something like i didn't know if this was going to be like a nostalgia piece i didn't Mm -hmm. know if this was going to be something that you watched 
back in like the eighties or nineties. And yeah. you're just like this fucking movie. And I watched it and I loved it. And then now hearing live on this episode that you mm. actually just caught it yeah. a couple months ago for the first time. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's better. Cause like, yeah. I didn't want to come at you no, with right. like this fucking thing. <laughs> with like, you saw this when you were eight and I respect that you like it. Right. No, it was not that. Honestly, if you that. had seen this when you were eight, it would explain a decent amount. Not a lot, not the whole bit, but it would. But like a fair bit about <laughs> there me. Would right. be like a, there would be like a side of the Rubik's cube that was full. Yeah. I, I can right. move on to the other ones. Yeah. But the, but the more I dig into those, it's going to fuck up that side that I already thought. Ah, Rubik's Cubes are so hard. They're, they're hard, man. The, the Scardy Arnolds of uh, <laughs> hand games. <laughs> is that what a Rubik's Cube is? It's a hand game? Handheld game? Uh, yeah. Yeah, like a Game Boy. It's a hand game? <laughs> right. <laughs> um... No, I'm very happy that you that you picked this movie and shared it with me because um, I probably would not have gotten around to seeing it ever for a very long time. Yeah, it's been on my docket, but right? But like, look, so are like a hundred other movies that yeah, probably right. have gotten to it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I yeah, I, I just want to fight for this movie in the way that people the the people in this movie want to fight for the society. It's just like so fragile and beautiful and delicate and Mm -hmm. and i i i do think that i do think that the ad campaign did it a disservice i mean i'm looking at the cover of the blu-ray right now and the tagline the games the romance the spirit camelot is a state of mind is really accurate to the movie but but i don't know if it communicates take out take out the first three parts camelot is a state of mind sure it's it's cleaner Right, right. It feels the need to like really, uh, uh, like forefront the set pieces of the film, which are really, like, set dressing to me to this like beautiful, right. like, and emotional story that's going on. Also, behind them. kind of, you know, no disrespect because I really had a blast watching them in 2024. Uh-huh. Look like the videos that I shot on VHS with me and my buddies driving four wheelers around in our backyard. Like I'm. That's what it looks like. Because that's I want to see it those. Is. Makes me want to see those. <laughs> They're fun, man. Like we used to like name them thing, like name the VHS tapes like Goose Crapatopia, you know, because yeah. that's what we called the field that we would walk through. Because like the geese like shitting it all the time. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. No, you, it, it's the the movie is it, it's shot so well, and like those moments are like equal parts cinema and like real feel like on a budget like you can you can feel the budget in this thing which sometimes like is not good for a movie when you're like oh i can see how cheaply made this was but you say something like say something like that like about halloween you're uh-huh. like i can see that this movie was made for no money <laughs> and it makes it better it makes right. it feel more real well and there's something and f- about like the 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 idea that these battle scenes don't sort of like elevate to like a mad max level you know they never they go could. crazy yeah they could and they don't and i think that like actually like hammers home the humanity of this movie mm-hmm. in this way that's like even even the craziness actually is very human and very like you're it's like controlled. a little bit it's controlled and you're like a little bit scared for these people and you should be these are like 
These people don't have health insurance. You keep waiting for something, for somebody to get hurt. Uh-huh. For somebody to really get hurt. Even yep. though one of the first fights you see, um, uh, Ed Harris's character gets like his like collarbone like smashed or something, and he's yep. like bleeding for the rest of the movie. Yep. And it's in that one moment, uh, like halfway through the movie, where like the dirt bike just like goes off a ramp because somebody fell off of it, and it's about to maybe hit a baby, but then it just hits the mom that's like going for the baby, and she's like bleeding she's, like, from her bleeding, eye sockets. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, and they're just like, oh, everything's under control, everybody. Don't worry about it. Stephen King in the front row, right? <laughs> Stephen King nomming on a big ass sandwich, just <laughs> being like a. <laughs> Like a Louis C.K. or whatever. Character like role making... is hoagie guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fucking low-hanging fruit time. Like, that's just... Yeah. And this... Like, I mean, this movie does have a, a disdain for what for what mainstream America was in 1981. And I'm down for that, too. Yeah. Again, like, that's the Easy Rider thing. Where it's right. like, this thing hates America. The very thing that it's, like, kind of taking place in and commenting on. It's... It... From the poster and the slogan and the or tagline and the the plot synopsis, like it seems like a Mad Max ripoff. Yeah, that's just like shot by a bunch of people looking to make a quick buck on like some weird genre thing. Right, but and this poster like, like looks these... like the best of like fantasy art, which I'm like not not into. That's but not what the but movie it shouldn't looks like. be that. Yeah, they're right. trying to sell it. They're trying to sell it, and they're, they're, they're trying to sell it, it as something else. It. Yeah. Right, yeah. and I just like I think it's, it's actually movie... a movie that's like filled with these amazingly quiet character moments. Uh, it goes against the sloppy vibe <laughs> that like everything else is like putting out there. Like you said the best word before, like schlocky. <laughs> like it, it the movie in every essence of itself before you press play you're like this is going to be one of the schlockiest fucking things i've ever seen yeah and it's actually a character drama <laughs> like about masculinity and relationships and connectivity to like between artists and friends and family and your place in the world as like economy just like revolves around you and tries to suffocate every single artistic intent and creative idea you could possibly have how can you make money off of it become a millionaire isn't that what we want to do yeah it's fucking it's art it's artists i guess art artists reality versus the real world obstacles like art versus business at the end of the day is like kind of what he's discussing sure. in this two and a half hour movie about people that ride dirt bikes and motorcycles in the middle of a field while jousting and hitting each other with clubs and like okay the the question i'm still wrestling with is like was it a good idea to put this movie on motorcycles i think so go on it kind of makes that last shot like so powerful Ooh, right. I mean, we haven't we haven't talked about like the absolute ending of it where Ed Harris just gets fucking mowed down. I mean, the absolute ending is then we have a funeral, right? Well, then we and have a funeral. They, yeah. Then we have a funeral, and then we see then we see the crew on the highway, sort of bigger mm-hmm. and more together than they ever have been. Yeah, but there is that shot like right after he gets like hit, or like right before he gets hit. I think like he kind of sees himself on a horse, right? In full, like, kind of, like, Arthurian, like, um... 
well, there's period. like there's a lot of like Don Quixote in it too, right? Yep. There's a, like mm-hmm. a lot of like I the I I I believe this and I have to believe this, mm-hmm. and and like is this delusion? But right, right. Sorry, continue. No, no, that's that's <laughs> precisely what I was about. I was I literally have the word delusion written down right here. <laughs> um, no, it's it's a good movie, man. But it's it's not de- it's it's not delusion if he passes on to these people, right? Like that's the that's the beauty of this movie is like exactly yeah. if that's everybody art. believes it, it's not delusion. It's mm-hmm. a cult. Well, <laughs> some cults can be nice. Yeah. Did you ever see Midsummer? Yeah, that's a nice cult. Some cults can be nice. They're very yeah. nice. They <laughs> empowered that woman. They that's did. What I said. That's what they I said. And people, um, once people get too old, I get it. Do you, uh, so do you have anything else uh, on Knight Riders? I mean, I feel like we really went through the plot on that. I feel like we've uh, we've said a lot How, on this well, Valentine's I, Day episode. You haven't. I mean, you you showed me a picture of a cast member that you haven't talked about yet. Oh, <laughs> you want to talk about that guy? <laughs> I mean, Gary Lottie. <laughs> Gary Lottie. Lottie. Uh, you know. Lati, Lati, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, and uh, like the, this, this movie is is full of interesting people. And like, strangely, sort of at the center of it, you have these people who are like, uh, I think give great performance. I mean, like, I'm I'm willing to defend every performance in this film. Um, yeah, it all works. It yeah. all makes sense. Even it does, when right? you're kind of like at first, you're like, that's a little fucking weird. <laughs> it all pays off. I know, and 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 I love that. Um, I love the group of people that make up this this band of misfits because they're not all misfits. It's like it's it's you know I feel like at the at the start of this episode I said that that this is about sort of outsiders and how they fit in, but but not everybody in this film was destined to be an outsider, and I kind of like that too. I kind of like that it's it's a group of people who were sparked by this idea of chivalry and um and like like living with a code that and 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 it feels from this cast like it like it attracted the weirdos and it also attracted like a couple popular people and like (laughs) they just all got together and were like yeah we really like this (laughs) let's all do it together it's like drama club in high school yeah yeah. There's a couple of popular people in there. Right. A couple of losers. Yeah. Some antisocial people that are just like, I need some kind of extracurricular extracurricular activity. Yeah. To do this. Yeah. 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 The whiskey's setting in. I can the whiskey's tell. setting in right now. Yeah. <laughs> we better we better pull out. So do you have Dude, any final comments? I, that's why I called the show over drinkers, is mm-hmm. so that when I get too drunk towards the end, it's I'm the not title to blame. of the show. It's, it's the show. It's it's me sacrificing myself for the listeners. You, this isn't just me you. on a Tuesday night. No, never. No. I would never drink this much on a Tuesday night. Mm. Ever. No, no, no. No, it's not like I'm about to go downstairs and watch all the Super Bowl trailers that I missed the other night. Oh, you're behind. Drink another half bottle of whiskey. I'm excited to hear what you think about Wicked. <laughs> Uh, it looks like shit. Um, <laughs> everybody's just like, everybody's just like, oh, wicked. 
isn't it great? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, it's not. It looks like garbage. It looks like a Disney Plus show. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> Just... I'm excited about Twisters. Glenn Powell's abs. Leave me alone. Like that's, I'm a simple man. That's all I want. You're excited about Twisters. I'm very cautiously about optimistic Twisters. about Twisters. Very excited about Twisters. When's the last time that you watched the film Twister? Two months ago. I watch that film every every few months. It's, it's I, I think if, if I could take one movie to a desert island, it would be Twisters. I feel it, it would be Twister. The, sorry, singular. Yeah, I think you could watch it on that, Christmas. I think you could watch that, it on the 4th of July. Yeah. The one thing that Twisters has going against it yeah. uh, is that Twister is a great name for a movie. And Twisters is a stupid name for a movie. <laughs> so... They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to work. They're gonna have to work with that. I think Twisters also, has the again. Poster only has one tornado on it. Like, what are we even fucking doing here? <laughs> it sounds like it has more than one thing against it. I also, like Bill Paxton's not gonna be in it. Well, it's got my muscle girl in it too. So Who's that? I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, she's the one that's in uh, Love Lies Bleeding. Who Ed Harris is also in this year. Uh-huh. She was in uh, Andor. Did you watch Andor? No the Disney Plus Star Wars show. No, you Andor? just you just you shaded Disney Plus shows, and Andor? now you're gonna like shade me There's for not watching Disney Plus shows. Soon. Mm. Season two's coming out soon. I watched season one of Mandalorian. What more do you <laughs> want from me? <laughs> well, you watched the best one, so Thank you're you. fine. <laughs> um, no, uh, Love Lies Bleeding, directed by Rose Glass, stars uh, Kristen Stewart, our girl. Yeah, I know about her. And uh, Katie O'Brien is her name. Katie O'Brien. She, she obviously a, means a lot to you. You had to look her up. Um, she's a th- she. She's a thick one. Um, <laughs> I, I I'd love for her to punch me in the fucking face. Uh, yeah. But before you guys watch Love Lives Bleeding, mm-hmm. you should do a, a double feature of Camelot and Night Riders. It's going to be like eight hours of your life, but it's going to be totally worth it. Oh, you're talking to the listeners. I thought you were talking to me, like me and Diana. Like no, dear listeners. Do I'm like, I do I think you should it. do that. <laughs> Diana didn't. I she watched the the last ten minutes and was um, <laughs> perplexed, was riveted. Not 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 <laughs> she was like, okay. Do you think Diana would like this movie if she saw the whole thing? I truly do. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I think Diana. No offense to her. Like many people. Uh, are not going to watch this movie because it looks like it's something that it's not. And we need people like you out there. And you. Look, you, and, she has a partner who could explain recruited, to her. You've recruited me now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can go downstairs right now and be like, listen, the rental on Amazon Prime is ready to go for another 24 hours. So, like, I'm so excited about dive this. In, go for it. <laughs> It's not going to happen. We're in Oscars mode right now, baby. We're watching Oscars movies. You've seen all the Oscars movies. Not yet. What haven't you seen? Oh, a couple things. I've seen the big ones. I'm waiting for Napoleon to go down a bit sure. on the, the, the rental. What's phase, it nominated but, for? Uh, costume okay. and best accent. That's not a nomination. Yeah, it is. Accent? Yeah, best accent. No. (laughs) Did you not watch the... There's like a bunch of new categories this year. Best accent. 
Um, what was the other one? Oh, um, uh, best teeth. <laughs> best casting really is next year. Best casting is in twenty twenty five. You're correct. <laughs> No stunts though. Okay, we better call this. <laughs> uh, did you see? Uh, did you see Rustin? I uh, not yet. It's not good. Did you see it? Yeah, I did. I watched it. Is he I good? I watched a lot. He's fucking amazing in it. I watched a lot of movies. A lot of the Oscar movies that I have to catch up on are movies that I knew were not going to be good. Uh, <laughs> so I did not watch them. And now I have to watch them. Okay, so so did you see I, Nyad? Did you watch Nyad? Nobody watched Nyad. I did. <laughs> I How watched was Nyad. How was it? it? Fucking sucks. It was one of the most boring movies I've ever seen. Did it have two phenomenal performances in it? It had one. It, no, you know what? It did have two, but one of them didn't get nominated. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, because uh, Bryce Eifens fucking kills it in that movie. Look, I, you're you're talking to a theater Reese, RE Reese, guy, so Reese, we're going to have Eifens. to go back to Rustin. Uh, Rustin directed directed by theater great George C. Wolf, who also directed Lackawanna Blues. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. I have. Okay. It's As a fantastic see, director. Knights of Rodanth. Of course. No, you didn't. Fuck. Who's in when that? When the fuck did that movie come out? Who's in that? You didn't see that movie. What are you talking about? Knights of Rodan. I'm looking. Wait, oh, sorry. I'm getting distracted by George C. Wolfe's <laughs> acting career right now. Apparently, he was in Garden State. He was great in that movie. Who the fuck was he in Garden State? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Talk to me about this fucking Diane Lane Richard Gere bullshit. There you go. You um, do know who's in that movie. Rustin, I'm trying to find you a picture of the writer of Rustin. There we go. I got a picture of the writer of Rustin right there. I don't know if you can tell. I can't see him um, against the white background. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, is that Dustin Lance Black? Mm, is it? <laughs> is that his name? It is. <laughs> Did you know that, or did you just recognize Dustin? I recognize him. He wrote Milk. <laughs> he did, and I'm pretty sure that's why they hired him to write Rustin. Uh, but you saw that. Which and it was... I'm trying to think about, like, what are the aspects of Rustin? Hmm. If I had to think of two, what would they be? What would they be? Gay and black? Mm-hmm. Black and gay, probably. You know what? In that order is probably better. <laughs> it is February. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are falling apart right now. Okay. We better end this. Or rather, I am falling apart and you're keeping us together. So I should apologize. And um, Did you say we had an announcement? Yeah, you have to make your announcement. Uh, friends, uh, uh, Mike is going to be uh, a little tied up over the next few months. Just handcuffed a little. Uh, and uh, while that happens, uh, I am excited to be uh, spearheading a podcast series uh, about uh, Ramana, mm-hmm. King Arthur. Which one? Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to do both. Both. Woo! I thought you were going to be like mixing around. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to be mixing around King Arthur and Robin Hood. We're going to talk about the medieval heroes of the world. Uh, we're going to go back and forth. We're going to ping pong. We're going to have special guests. We're going to go through the filmography of Robin Hood and King Arthur 
Uh, we're going to talk about it by the end of it. We're going to have uh, a, a superior knowledge of both of these characters. Uh, Mike's going to join me for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And First Night. And First Night. I call um, dibs on those. I can be on other ones. And uh, would you would you say those two are the are are your favorites in the in in either genre, in either lineage? Prince of Thieves, easily, easily, easily. That's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh-huh. That's literally one of the greatest movies ever made. And fuck you, you can't catch me. You don't I'm even know who I am. So excited to get into this. Um, first night, it, I think, is like one of like the most ridiculous versions of King Arthur <laughs> that you could do. Uh-huh. I think it's fantastic. Um, earlier today I was watching the, uh, for, for shits and giggles, I was watching the, you, you've got me on a King Arthur kind of spin I'm from so this movie and our thrilled that I did day. that. I was watching the scene in first night. Have you seen? Yes. I was watching the scene where like Richard Gere has to go through, um, like a kind of like, uh, like American gladiators, like, yeah, right. thing. <laughs> yeah. Legends uh, of the Hidden like, Temple. Right. Through, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, like to like be. He yeah. wins something. I can't remember what it is. And I it's think just it's like, like her, like a kiss from her, from Glavier yeah, or something. Her handkerchief. Yeah. The most cartoonish CGI in the world. And they're like really lingering on it. Cause they're like, look how good this looks. Yeah. And it looks like fucking Roger Rabbit shit to us. <laughs> and you love Roger Rabbit. Continue. I do. I do. I do. I sent you a gif uh, before this. I know you did. When you are Raul. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, King Arthur, I mean, I lo- I really like the Clive Owen um, kind of, uh, I guess they were probably trying to go for a like Guy Ritchie vibe. We're going to double one, like, feature kind of, like, these and you're going to, you're going to, yeah. we're going to talk about both of these things. Invite me to any of them and I'll show up to the ones that I can make it to. How about that? Wow. What a deep. But I, but I call Prince of Thieves and First Night. Uh-huh. Okay. Look, it's you your podcast. Around, you work around me. It's yeah. your podcast. You it's... you record them and then we'll just put them up. Okay. You f- you figure it out. That's the Great. whole point. It's less work for me. That is the point. Great. Uh, so listen up, folks. Uh, Mike has dubbed it Sword Boys. Coming to you. Soon. I mean, you can call. Do not call it Sword Boys. Don't do that. I mean, you can if you want, but that's that's not going to get you clicks. You got to come up with something a little snappier, like Overdrinkers. Okay, we'll think about it. <laughs> Titled TBD. Uh, All right, so that's exciting, and thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe, or follow, depending on what the button says. Smash those likes. Smash them, smash. Uh, Go to storyscreenpresents.com. Check out some reviews. Uh, We actually just put up all of our best of 2023 uh, uh, pieces up there. Uh, Scotty's got one. Mike has one. I have one as well, yeah. Um, Mike did 23 because he's an overachiever. Some of we have some overlap cross. Yep. And some don't. And so we have some non-overlap. Mm-hmm. I, I think for Wonka yet. I hear Wonka fucks. Is it true? I think that Wonka fucks. Okay. I can, I'm going to watch Wonka. I've been wearing out that soundtrack. Oh, oh, so you're saying it fucks that hard. We're like, you're going back for repeat listens. Do you, but I've been wearing out that soundtrack. That's okay. what I'm saying. All right. Yeah. All right. And uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the social medias, and at, uh, at at story underscore screen underscore beacon or at story underscore screen. Just like just type in story screen, you'll find us. Honestly, you'll find us. if you're listening to the episode of Overdrinkers on Night Riders, 
Odds are you already follow us. So or you're really into you. Night Riders and thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. And we also have a Patreon uh, over at Story Screen Presents where you can give us money for this dumb shit that we do every week. Thanks Scotty, for listening, folks. It's been a pleasure. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, buddy. I love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye.